And now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Jackrabbit Illustrated's B-Team edition of the Splitting Hairs podcast. My name's Brendan. I'm Ben. And we're going to get down to talking about a little bit of football here today. It's a big week, hobo week. We're all jacked up and ready to rock here. Looking forward to this weekend. Woo! Love hobo day. <laughs> right. Can't wait. Absolutely. Can't wait. A little bit of, what the heck's his name, Ray Scott, who that was, linebacker for the Jets. Uh, Can't wait. Bart. Yeah, that's Bart what Scott. I was going for. Bart Scott, there you go. There it is. There it is. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no. For sure. infected me. Oh, yeah, I know. Stop. It's infectious. Uh, you can't stop. <laughs> can't bad stop thing is the weather, the weather does not look good again. Oh, but, no. When did that change? Like three minutes ago? I don't know. It's 40% chance of rain, which is, I mean, it's better than a coin flip. So that's good. That's not so, even a chance. For sure. I know. I I shouldn't even talk about it. And the nice thing is, at I think at 11, it goes down to 20%. So everybody thinking about going to the game, make sure you I mean, go. Catch the back end of the parade. Head over on a tailgating. People have tents up. By the time the game starts, it's going to be a beautiful Saturday. Say, just, just looking at my weather, it says showers around around in the morning, and then it's supposed to be it's supposed to clear up and be beautiful in the afternoon. So, as of our five day weather forecast, or however many days that might be out, we should be good. Yeah, we're good. Absolutely. <laughs> there it is again. It's like a thing. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Matt. Mm-hmm. well before we start talking about hobo day let's uh get into some big national news as far as college football goes Uh, yeah we got the new the new uh california law into effect where players will eventually be able to make uh, money off their likeness guess what's your initial take on that um, I think that uh, players were going to end up getting paid eventually because just the amount of noise and kicking and screaming everybody's been doing about that. And, you know, we wanted to talk about this just because there's no way around it, any sort of change to how players are done and paying them in any form or fashion is going to affect our level at the FCS level. And I think that this is the most palatable way for that to work out for us at the FCS level because your FCS schools, your low-level FBS, and all the way down D2, D3 schools, you can't afford to pay these athletes and be in bidding wars and with these other people, other schools paying from the school outright. The budget's not there, and never mind the fact I don't think it's right that if your school's subsidizing a quarter to up to 70% of your football program that they should be subsidizing a salary on top of it necessarily. But this allows the athletes to go out and if you're a really well-known player, uh, you can make some money off the fact that you are a well-known player, just like everybody else in the world is able to do. And I think it's probably the best solution, but I re- it's going to take a while to go through because you know the NCAA is going to fight tooth and nail on this. And here, the issue for me is that if 
California does it. Every other state has to be in line to do it right away because any state that doesn't do it, your school is going to be behind on recruiting. I mean, yeah. especially, you know, I don't, maybe not the FCS schools because like chances of an FCS player making money off his, making a bunch of money off his likeness is probably not that good. But I mean, it, it could come into play. I mean, on the FCS level, but it will for sure come into play on the FBS level. Um, you know, say if California has it and Florida or Alabama or whatever, Texas doesn't. Um, and in, I think you mentioned it earlier. It, it sounds like they have those, you know, on the docket for legislation already. But yeah, um, I mean, they, it, yeah, every other state that doesn't have it now, if California's going to do it, they got to get going on it because they're going to, it's going to just kill recruiting for those schools and those in the states that don't have it. Yeah. And uh, from what I hear, Florida already has a state legislator already trying to put it on the ballot to, for them to get on board. You know, Alabama, Georgia, all the South's going to be on board. Then that means your North Dakota is probably eventually going to follow because they were one of the first ones to jump on the full cost of attendance. Um, we followed, and honestly, from a state perspective, this sort of thing, the, the use of likeness is the cleanest way to pay, have, have pay players make money while avoiding a bunch of problems like your Title IX issues where if you pay the men, you got to pay the women. So now the university kind of gets to wash their hands of that. doesn't cost them any money, but their students or student athletes are able to make a little bit of coin and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I think it will make a big effect, especially in your North Dakotas, your Montana's, your South Dakotas. This is going to have an effect. You're going to have markets that there's going to be the star quarterback and star running backs, you know, Christian Roseboom. You couldn't see, you know, billion Chevrolet going, Hey, Christian, we'll pay you five grand to do a, do a TV spot with us selling cars. You know, you couldn't see NDSU having somebody go up to Trey Lance and go, Hey, I'll give you 10 grand to help me sell insurance. You know, it happened right away. As soon as Carson Wentz went out, there was a bank offering a free signed autograph football from Carson Wentz. If you bought a house from him through their mortgage <laughs> company, like in no time, it was as soon as he was done. So, it won't be they're not going to be making six figures or anything ridiculous like that, but there's going to be an, a, a, an impact and it's going to be really interesting to see, especially, you know, a point that I saw brought up now it's free enterprise. What happens when the fourth most liked player from Alabama gets offered by um, the bear trap strip club down in Tallahassee to represent them and they offer him some sort of contract. Like, you know, he never has to pay the cover and he gets paid 20 grand. The serious, like it's funny, but the, that's I mean, going to be a real thing that could now happen. That, now that you're talking about that, it reminded me, I still have eligibility left. So that's- <laughs> <laughs> ladies, <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, no but um, I, so, 
one issue I do see, I mean, on, on one hand, I'm like, well, why not? I mean, if the schools aren't going to be involved in paying people and it's privatized, I'm all for that. But the issue that I do see is the huge potential for recruiting violations where, you know, say, you know, one business says, you know, hey, I'll give you this much more if you go to this school over this school. How are you going to well, how are you going to regulate that as from an NCAA standpoint? I mean, they're not regulating it right now and it's already happening. They just caught every major shoe company in the in the world doing that right handed and, and they're not punishing them either. So now you're just making it out in the open. At least it's it's not honest and it's not cheating anymore if they're but you're going to know at least I guess cuz if it's out in the open, at least you have a chance to regulate it. You can try to put caps on it. And Lord knows it's the NCAA. They're going to do everything they can to legislate everything they can about it. Right. And I, I don't know, it just, it just, it's just such a can of worms because I'm thinking about, you know, now schools will be going out to private businesses and being like, Hey, what can you, what can you offer this kid? We're trying to get him to come. We need, you know, we need to make sure you're going to have 10 grand, 10 grand available for him. You know, he'll do a TV spot for you or whatever. I mean, like stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. It's such a, like I said, a can of worms. Yeah. And it really is. And once you get into paying players, it's going to be that it's going to be a mess either way in some form or fashion. But I believe it used to be that student athletes weren't really even supposed to have a job during the season to try to avoid this. And then they allowed them to have jobs. And that was everybody panicked that, Oh, these boosters are going to be giving them these slack off jobs for, you know, they're Mm -hmm. slipping them wads of cash and all that stuff. But I don't think it changes the, I don't think it changes what goes on already. I think it just changes how it gets done when it gets into that level and for our level of football, I don't think it's going to affect it to that degree. We're not going to have, you know, you're not, there's only so many boosters available for Alabama, right? Right. Even if they wanted to, they're not going to be able to guarantee one of these slots. Let's call them a slot for advertising to make money off their likeness. They're not going to be able to do it to every recruit they want to get. It's just not feasible. Nebraska's not going to be able to offer a uh, you know, $30,000 a year advertising spot because to a guy who's going to be a walk-on. You'd you be surprised. I mean? There's some there's some psychos in Nebraska. I can see you like, just no, I, throwing money at that program. Like, please be better. Please don't suck anymore. Right. right. And, you know, will that happen to an extent? I'm sure. I don't think it's going to just make everything – drastically change at FCS level, you're not going to have it to that degree. Maybe it happens to a player or two, but I don't think it's going to be something that radically changes the caliber of athlete or anything like that, or the caliber of ball you see at the FCS level. Yeah. I mean, and if you're the NCAA, I mean, you just got to be cringing over this whole thing. I mean, the way they like to have their thumb on everything and now it's just, there's there's just so much they won't be able to control with this. Uh, 
you know, there's ways I think they'll probably be able to control it. They'll probably be able to put caps on how much a player can make, they'll, or they'll try to put a cap on play, how much a player can make off his likeness or who is able to do it to avoid having it be boosters who are giving this all out to them, you know, and things like that. I'm sure there's steps they're going to take to try to do that, but their first step is going to be they're going to fight a tooth and nail in, in court. You know, we're not going to see this change, I bet, for 10 years if it comes to, comes to fruition. That's true. Yeah, you and know. it'll be interesting to see, you know, there's always been this kind of talk about, okay, well, if the NCAA wants to be like this and they want to put too many stipulations in, then Power 5 will just say, screw it, <laughs> and, you know, form their own deal. Yeah, and I mean, if that does happen, then that will change drastically our situation at SDSU. But I think it'd almost be for the better because then these schools that have no business being a power five or being an FBS school, UMass and hmm. others um, will be coming back. They'll be coming back to, you know, FCS basically. And that's when the big, you know, G5 merger with the, the top of the FCS will happen. And then the, it'll be sorted out there. Um, but people have been saying that's going to be coming for over a decade. So. Right. But I, I think something like this could be the catalyst that actually makes it happen. Maybe. If the NCAA stomps its feet in too hard. Right. Maybe. But I think the NCAA also recognizes that basketball money is where it's at. And they need that NCAA tournament just to fund all their other tournaments. And let's make no jokes about it. The NCAA basketball tournament funds the FCS playoffs. So, um, you know, to an extent, it's going to be interesting to watch down the line. And we'll get uh, more of an idea of what's happening as it goes. But... I think we're not going to hear anything about it for it's going to be a big flash news story for a while and it's going to go away and it's just going to be kind of updates, especially with how we are today in society. We're just going to be like, Oh, that's crazy. And that's going to go away. <laughs> but right. then, you know, like four or five years when it starts to come to a head and the NCAA is fighting it and it gets, the decision gets made, then we'll really know what's going to happen. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. That's for sure. Because especially in something like this, it always feels like one side is it's all going to be rainbows and butterflies. And the other side is it's the end of the world. There's never going to be. It's not even college anymore. It's semi-pro. The XFL is taking over college football. But it'll be, uh, I think, probably end up being somewhere down the middle. But who knows? I'm not a, I'm not a psychic. I'm not Miss Cleo, as we can tell from my picks. <laughs> You know, you didn't do this bad this week. Hey, you actually beat. He actually gained a pick on me. Hey, what's up? You, you went four and three, and I went three and four. So, champ is here. Yeah, you're still lagging behind. I'm still thirty and twenty-five overall, and you're still twenty-five and thirty. So, baby steps. You just it happens. Yeah, you keep keep chipping away. So uh, let's go over the games that we did pick. Um, the first one, uh, JMU at Elon. And I guess I was on the wrong side of that one. I thought it would be 
a much closer game, and JMU just kind of took it to them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these lower top 25 schools facing one of the top five schools has just been an ugly game this year so far. Um, James Madison's really good. You know, and Elon has some cracks, so they kind of went in and just steamrolled them and had their way uh, with the Phoenix down there. Not really a whole lot to say about that game. JMU just dominated. Yeah, and then the uh, one of well, it's kind of surprising, kind of not surprising is Austin P taking it to Jacksonville State, fifty-two to thirty-three, when Austin P was the the underdog in that one. Right? How did we pick that uh, one? So, um, we both picked Jacksonville State like idiots. Yeah. We're good at this, huh? Yeah. Austin mm-hmm. P came in, and this is just a nail in the coffin to me to Jacksonville State. Um, I think this shows this game shows so much down the line nationally. Um, there's so many repercussions that you can take from this because Central Arkansas beat Austin P. Um, so that's a statement there. Eastern Washington losing to Jacksonville State and then losing to Idaho like they did. That tells you a lot there. And then so now we're starting to see the spiderweb effect and getting a real beat on teams after some of this. So uh, this was an eye opener, though, because it was actually not even as close as the final score for most of the game. They were. Okay, I mean, who's going to who's going to make the playoffs from the OVC? Uh, if I was a betting man right now, um, Austin P or SEMO, Southeast Missouri State, I, yeah. I would, uh, in the way Austin P's played, I tend to lean their direction. Yes. Tennessee Tech's in the top right now, four and one and one and oh in the conference, but yeah, SEMO hasn't started their conference play yet. So we'll see where they go. Yeah. I don't think. Thing. I think Tennessee Tech's uh, 4-1 record is fairly artificial. They've got a, still quite a bit to prove to me. One of their wins was yeah. Western Illinois, and it wasn't a resounding win at that. Well, in the, the next game, well, it's not not this weekend, but next weekend is um, Austin P at SEMO. So that'll go a long ways in determining who who's going to be the top of the OVC, it looks like. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be one I'm gonna be watching. It's gonna be something to look For forward sure. to since we got an away away game the week that week. So have my yeah. surprise so, here. Then we go to uh, Villanova, who uh, beat Maine pretty handily, thirty three to seventeen. Mm-hmm. And you were you were right on that one. I was wrong. And again, Villanova just showing that they're the real deal this year. Yeah, um, Nova looks real good. Uh, they, you know, after beating Towson, who uh, uh, had a good had their way with Maine a little bit, uh, this wasn't terribly that surprising. I think the biggest issue people had with this one, and probably yourself, is just Nova hadn't really played anybody besides Towson, and Maine still had a lot of their uh, preseason hype after being so good last year, and. CAA is tough this year, man, and I think Nova is coming out as a dark horse here to take the conference, realistically. If they can get JMU to slip up when they play them, <laughs> don't be surprised if they end up seated even if they lose to JMU. 
Yeah, I was going to look and see. They... I think they play at James Madison. Play next, next weekend at JMU. Yeah. Illinois does, so... That'll be another big game. There's a couple of big games in, in a couple of weeks we to look forward to. Yeah. Conference play started. We get some fun fun matchups now. For sure. And then we go on to Montana whooping UC Davis 45-20 to at UC Davis, which was very surprising. Yeah. Um, it was surprising. But if you think back to my gambling words I, of wisdom – Yes, I know. <laughs> you know, they, I think some of the, I think this is a combination of things. I think Montana was uh, a good matchup against UC Davis, and I think the other part was UC Davis was just beat down from a game in the Fargo Dome. We see it every year; it happens to every team. And I think the only time you see it happen to NDSU, um, generally speaking, is after they play in the marker game. That's the only time I've seen him have a game affect him regularly, physically for a start of a game. But uh, it tends to have that effect when you get out of a game with them that your team's beat up, and that's the result. Just I couldn't. I was surprised. I was extremely surprised that Montana winning by that much, though. Twenty five points. That was not close. That was a statement game. For sure. Yeah. I mean they. You're kind of wondering whether they were fully back or not, but I mean, I think they're. It looks like they're for real this year. It'll be interesting to see how the Big Sky shakes out because Eastern Washington's been struggling, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think Montana's probably got probably got the upper hand right now. Uh, Montana State's up there too, but um, I mean, the way they looked against Western Illinois, I mean, obviously they're not perfect either. So speaking of, uh, big sky games, uh, there was one other game that we picked nationally, um, the university of North Dakota went out to Eastern Washington and well, I think I picked that one wrong. If I remember right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eastern Washington, uh, kind of got back on track a little bit. Um, I guess it depends on how good you think UND is. You know, yeah, I don't know. Watching that game, you know, actually wa- watching it, I caught some of that game. You look at the score and you can tend to think that Eastern Washington bounced back, but then you see some of the other results with Jacksonville State getting it kicked in by Austin P. and then watching the game, UND just looked not that great to me. You know, especially in the in the quarterback realm, from what I saw, and they just didn't really get anything done. And yet, Eastern Washington still did their best to let them back into the game uh, by going flat for another quarter, quarter and a half, whatever it was. So, I'm not ready to say that Eastern Washington showed they were back. More, more that UND showed that they weren't ready to. Uh, Step up and be a top 25 team is what I got out of that one. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, if it was a more convincing win, we could probably see Eastern Washington's back. But it'll take uh, some more convincing games to say that for sure. Right. And uh, then, go ahead. Well, not to say that you know, a 15-point win isn't convincing. It's just neither team looked that good. You know, an eye test does matter, especially in a game where – one team's trying to prove it's back and the other one's trying to bounce back. So 
they, you got to look good in that game for me to believe, start believing in you. I'd agree. Let me go on to the two, the only two Valley games of the week. Um, Robert Morris is who we thought they were. They went to Youngstown State and lost 45 to 10. Mm-hmm. And we were both correct on that one. We both had Youngstown State and uh, a landslide. Yep. That, that was uh, fairly cut and dried. Robert Morris just isn't very good. Right. And then lastly, um, the bigger game that we picked was uh, Northern Iowa going to Weber State. And uh, Northern Iowa was up to number six in the polls, and they lost against Weber State. Uh, they lost 29 to 17. And so Weber State covered that one. Yeah. Which I was correct on, and you were wrong. Yeah. Shame Just thought I'd point me. that out. Shame on me. That's all right. <laughs> I beat you this week. I'm going to take my wins where I can, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, you and I got their tails kicked for the whole first half of that game. It wasn't close. It was like 23 to 3 or something, like 20 to 3 or something silly thing like that they were just getting worked and weaver was moving up and down the field at will then they sort of came back in the second half and i don't know if it's a symptom of oh they woke up or are they just not that good after you let idaho state hang with you and almost beat you at home it's kind of a tough one but Conference play starts, and we're going to find a lot out about them, but they did not look good that game, and their offense kind of proved to be what I was worried about with that offensive line from what I saw in that game. It's, you know, McElveen running around the field and making plays with their athletic wide receivers and kind of running for his life half the time. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, and so what surprised me was Weber State scoring 29 on them. You know, you and I usually hangs their hat on their defense, and – They've looked pretty good in that phase of the game, and Weber State kind of put it to them a little bit. So um, I know they, they're they confident in that new freshman quarterback, but I don't think he's good enough to be scoring 30 points a game for them. Well, not as a freshman. I mean, right. you know, especially against a good defense like that, you can't rely on him to carry the team there. You, they got to get a run game going there to support him somewhat if they're going to want to hang in with some firefights, if they're going to, their defense ends up taking half games off. Um, unfortunately, it looks like that's going to be a classic UNI, though. They drop an egg against a ranked team in the, in the out-of-conference, and then they're going to play North Dakota State and SDSU super tough and hand one of us a loss. So, um we better strap them up and ready, be ready to play because for sure their defense can be the real deal. It's just whether they play the whole game or not. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, it seems like they're seems like every year they're just kind of Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know who's going to show up on a week-to-week basis with those guys. Right, not until their back's to the wall, and then they'll show up and show out the whole. <laughs> exactly, the every, every week. But <laughs> it's kind of – that's their MO. That's what they do. It's done for that's years now, partly. Right. It is what it is. Well, so let's move on to this week's games that we're going to be picking. Uh, We've got uh, three national games that we're going to be looking at. Um, This one's uh, ranked. uh, Both teams are ranked in this one. Uh, we got Central Arkansas at number 12 going to number 15, Nichols. And Nichols is a minus two and a half point favorite in this one. What do you think about that matchup? (sighs) 
it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I think it's going to show who the contender is going to be against Southeastern Louisiana. Um, but looking at that game, I got to go with Central Arkansas. To me, they've proven more to be a better to be the better team so far. And Nichols still is a little bit of an unknown going into this matchup, but it should be a heck of a game. So give me uh, Central Arkansas. Yeah, I'll side with you on that one. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Nick, uh, that Nichols is favored in this one, but uh, got the home field advantage there. So going on to the next one, we got uh, Idaho State going to Montana, coming off their big win against UC Davis, and Montana's only a seven and a half point favorite in that one. Uh, to me, that seems kind of low. Um, I feel like it should be a little higher. So. I'm going to take Montana minus seven and a half there. You know, you kind of got to wonder, is Montana going to have a letdown after their big win on the road? Um, are they going to show up at, you know, a full bore against Idaho State? Idaho State's shown they can play with a top team with what they did at UNI. Um, and I think, you know, Montana's big win there puts the bullseye on their back, and I think Idaho State's going to come to play. I don't think they're going to win – but I got to gain some points back on these picks, so I'm going to take Idaho State, or I'm just going <laughs> to bury myself further. <laughs> I like it. There you go. And we go to uh, Furman, goes to Samford, who has been struggling. And Samford is a four point dog in this one. What do you think about that matchup? Actually, Samford, after their first two just horrific starts to the season has been getting on a little bit of a roll here lately and has had a couple decent wins here um in Furman in their last win against Eastern Tennessee looked um they didn't look as good as they have previously here so it's going to be interesting to see if we have the if if Samford is suddenly playing like the team we had hoped to see play against Youngstown State, or if they're going to regress and if Furman's going to play up to their potential of what everybody thought they were starting to look like, or if this is going to be a dogfight. And obviously with that line, they're starting to think it's going to be a bit of a dogfight. But I still think, I think Furman wins. I think it'll be a closer game. I think they'll win by a touchdown, six points or a touchdown though. So I'll take Furman there. I'm gonna agree with you there. I'll take I'll take Furman minus four, and then drum roll, please. Yeah, getting into the Valley slate, which is ex- always exciting. So it begins. <laughs> <laughs> full full slate of Valley matchups. We'll start with uh, NDSU going to Illinois State, and uh, NDSU. And that one is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Oof. That's a big line. It is large. Especially at, at Illinois State. Um, but uh, they're so one-dimensional, but it's going to be, you know, because their passing game hasn't really shown up against anybody besides weaker teams and, you know, looking at the history of them, it's on average been a 14 point game or more in the last two years, but this is going to be the biggest road test NDSU has had to date. 
So I think being this early in the season, Illinois State generally plays better early in the season than they do late in the season. I think some of that probably has to do with depth. Their top line guys are usually top ten in the FCS guys, but um, I think I'm going to go. With it. I'm going to take Illinois State here uh, with a big line like that, and uh, I'm going to take those points. And I think they make it a dogfight this year. I'm going to agree with you. Um, last year, Illinois State hung within 14 at NDSU, and two years ago, at home, they were within 13 points against NDSU. So, I have a history of covering a two touchdown spread, and um, I think. You know, these NDSU spreads, I think, in general are inflated just because of their history and people bet on them a lot. So, um, and I think it, I'd, I'd have to look, but I think they're, they haven't covered uh, the majority of their spreads this year. So I'll agree with you on Illinois State plus 14 and a half there. Well, and the other thing with that game last year, too, NDSU jumped on them right away to a big lead, and Illinois State had to claw back, but they clawed back to start to make it a game there last year so um yeah it was a two touchdown win but the majority of that game was played a lot closer just ndsu got hot out of the gates and jumped up on them and illinois state's just not built to come from behind especially on a defense like ndsu Mm -hmm. yeah we'll see how that goes um it'll be interesting to see if you know i I think we it I think it's the first true, true test for Trey Lance, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. I know, you know, they had the big matchup against uh, UC Davis, but um, I think a familiar foe like Illinois State will give him a real test. So I'm excited to see how that game goes. That should be a fun one. Then we go to a not as fun matchup. Um, One of the... Seller dweller matchups of the week. We got Indiana State going to USD for their D Days game, which it's it's D Days is a barely a headline the way it is, but now that it's on the same weekend as Hobo Day, it's like non existent at this point. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not um, going to get into that. It's it's Hobo Week, and they're they do something. I don't know, but exactly. it, it's elbow week and they happen to have a football game down there the same week. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so us USD is a three and a half point favorite in this one. Um, I think it, that has a little bit to do with uh, Boyle being out. Um, I'm going to take USD to cover the spread. Um, I think with Boyle out, I just don't think Indiana state's going to have the horses to do it. It's scary betting on USD at this point because they've looked real bad. But uh, that's where I'm going with this matchup. Yeah, I mean, it's USD at home. It's D-Days. But I honestly think, yeah, you're selling out the Dome, but it doesn't have the same amount of seats, so it's basically a half-empty Dome. I don't think that Dome field advantage carries the weight that it normally would with that place packed out. So... Um, USD, like you said, has looked real bad. It's kind of interesting that two weeks in a row now they're getting teams with a backup quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, these are games you have to win, and especially with Indiana State. If you don't beat Indiana State without Boyles, you're looking in trouble. Indiana State's going to be a desperate team because they might not uh, have a good outlook for the playoffs, but they're not out of it 
completely yet if they can come together. So I'm going to go ahead and take Indiana State on the road, to, and I'll take those points. I honestly think they come out and that USD defense against Northern Colorado was more of an aberration than anything. And we're going to, I think, I think Indiana State's going to squeak one out. It'll be a close game, but I think Indiana State squeaks it out in the Dakota Dome. You think they're going to win or just cover? I'll take the cover. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, do you think they're going to win? Yeah, I think they win. Yeah. I think they're able to find some holes in that defense. And I think their defense is a fair amount better than Northern Colorado's. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, man, if USD loses that one, they. It's over. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, the other cellar dweller matchup in the MVSC this week is Missouri State going to Western Illinois. I'm surprised that Western Illinois is favored by three and a half in this one. That's that's uh, got to be just because of who Missouri State is. It's not Missouri I State, guess. sorry, not Missouri State. But that that's just got to be a history thing in. That's the only thing I can think of. And, you know, well, home field advantage is three points, right? That's what they say, yeah. So basically both these games are saying are pretty much an even match. So, which I'd say is pretty fair. But I I got to lean towards Missouri State here, actually, because Western Illinois looked that bad, and at least Missouri State put up is putting up a fight against a couple teams they played. And I think Missouri State's hungrier for, for a win than Western Illinois. Yeah, I, I'm on board with you there. I think Missouri State should be favored in this one. I think there's quite a bit of value in that line there. So then we go to uh, Youngstown State at Northern Iowa, which is an interesting matchup to kind of see. Pretty good measuring stick for both of those squads. Um, Northern Iowa is a seven-point favorite in this one at home versus Youngstown. That's interesting. That's a big line. I'm not a believer in Youngstown State yet, but these are two good defenses going against each other. And like I said earlier, I'm not a believer in UNI's offense, but I'm a believer in their defense. Um, seven points is a pretty good size spread for that game, but UNI's at home, and honestly, I think their defense will probably score a touchdown for them as well. So I'm going to go ahead and take UNI in that game. I'm going to go Youngstown in that one. I'm not a believer in UNI yet. And I think they, I, I'm going to go UNI wins by a field goal there. So seven oh, points cool. is just, seven points is a lot in a, in a Missouri Valley matchup. That's pretty fair. I mean, pretty closely. Yeah. A close matchup, I guess. Yep. So then we go to the big game of the week, Southern Illinois coming into the Dyke house. And SDSU is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Yeah, that's so tough. I was looking at it. Um, you know, Matt posted the stats earlier this week. I think we're just over 500 coming out of a bye week. And we're just over 500 in Hobo Day in the last seven years or whatever it was that he went back. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I think some of that is level of competition. If you look back, we had what Youngstown State, UNI. We haven't had a lot of low-end conference teams for Hobo Day, and you know we saw what this team did going into Minnesota with a bunch of time to prepare. And gosh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna take SDSU on that one. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take SDSU to to cover. Yeah, um, you mentioned Matt's stat, and the interesting part of it was that all of the losses in the last seven years after a bye were away games. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. So I mean, that makes a difference too. Um, I think we come out ready to go in this one. You know, knowing the struggles we've had in Hobo Day. And I think the the guys are ready to actually play a play a good team, and I'm I'm going to take them covering the seventeen and a half. Um, last year they went to Southern Illinois and won by nineteen, yep. and two years ago Southern Illinois came to SDSU and we won by thirty five in that one. So that's kind of what I expect is maybe like a twenty eight point win. I think I guess we can. Get into our final prediction in a little bit here. Um, what are you What are you looking to see in this game? Um, in this game, I'm looking to see the team come out hungry and make a statement on that first drive. I don't care if it's defense or offense, but to come out mentally sharp. That's I think the biggest concern coming out of a bye into Hobo Day, which is such a distraction, and it's a coming off of the last game where you started out and had two or your first half of your first uh, your penalties on your first drive were penalties you know half of your plays on your first drive were penalties and just coming out not sharp at all and having to be sparked by a punt um i want to see the guys come out i think jabori's going to be hungry to get out and prove himself against conference opponent um Really looking to see the defense flying around and locking down the backup quarterback for Southern Illinois or their starter because the starter is just questionable. Um, even though their backup quarterback has proven to be proficient and their backup running backs proven to be able to move, run the ball as well. Um, really looking to see the defense come out and put the clamps on an explosive offense and prove that Southern Utah wasn't and, and all these prior games were held to low point totals, not just because they were bad, but because the defense is good. You know, looking to see that proven so we're not in a track meet. And I want to see the offense be able to move up and down the field, stay on schedule, get Jabori in good, good passing situations and, you know, third and fours, you know, third and manageables where he can hit some play action pass over the top to Cade and things like that. So that's what I really want to see. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same vein. You know, it's uh, I mentioned it earlier. I I just want to see a uh, a complete game on on both sides of the ball. Um, I think, like I said, we haven't put a complete game together since the Minnesota game, and in that one, you know, we had turnover issues too. So, complete game on both sides of the ball and get rid of some turnover issues, and I think we'll take care of business and win by you know. <coughs> 28 or 31 like I mentioned so um, I'd like to see Gibbs get a little more comfortable you know um, mm-hmm. get rid of the, the rust that he showed a couple weeks ago uh, make sure we don't make sure we take care of the ball but also sling it around and get our running backs out there and run around and like you said have the defense fly around maybe get in the backfield and get a few sacks so yeah, yeah I, I mean I, I feel pretty good about it I like that you bring that up. A, a game without turnovers would be a real encouraging thing because we're going to be starting to come up into these games where turnovers aren't going to be something we can afford to have anymore real quick. So 
that would be really nice to see. Um, take care of the football, have and and have great success on both sides of the ball is what should happen. But when all is said and done on Hobo Day, I just want to win. I just want a W. That's exactly. The, we can sort what out whatever happened, you know, next week, and I'll be more than happy to chalk it up that it was Hobo Day as long as we get the win. That's what that's what I'm looking for. Yep. So let's get into our final predictions. Um, I'm going to go with a 38 to 10 win. I think the defense does a good job of holding them down. Uh, they maybe let a, a late garbage time t- touchdown get in there, but um, that's my expectation for the game. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 41 to 13, where. Um, we play a bunch. We were able to get a lot of players in the game to get more game experience against a conference opponent, preferably. And uh, they kick a they kick a field goal with their starters in the first three, you know, first two quarters, and then they get a, another field goal and a garbage garbage time field goal at the end. Um, the offense looks sharp. Yeah, sounds like we're on the same page there. Yeah, yeah. Well, beyond that, uh, like we mentioned uh, earlier, I think, uh, follow us on Twitter and stuff. And uh, I'm at, at Kepin Hard, and he's at It's Thumper 76. Absolutely. You got, got it. it right that time. It's Thumper 76. And, there we uh, go. Big shout out to our, uh, our listener out in the UK and in the Netherlands. You can see those stats on our anchor, and that's pretty sweet. So we're global, Mr. Worldwide basically kind of a big deal there we so, go <laughs> we see you appreciate y'all listening in i uh, hope you guys enjoy the show so, yeah thanks that's all i got all right with that go big go blue go jacks